Hi, I'm Brews News Editor Matt Kirkegaard, and welcome to this Brewery Pro podcast looking at Lupamax, a concentrated hop product from Haas. This is sponsored content, but as always at Brews News, we aim to make this content worth your time to listen to. In this conversation, we hear HPA's sales and marketing manager, Owen Johnston, discuss Lupamax's purposes and uses with John I. Haas's sensory program manager, Jeff Daly, and brewing solutions specialist, Alejandro Cortez. I kick it all off by asking Alejandro exactly what is Lupamax? Lupamax is a highly consistent, concentrated lupulin pellet. And if we want to break down uh, that phrase, uh, the two most important concepts there are consistency and concentration, right? This probably speaks to the reason of, of this product to exist, because that's what we identified. Uh, sort of our ethos as an innovations group has been for the past I don't know, five, six, seven years, uh, maximum flavor, minimum loss. So that's a quote uh, from our innovations brewmaster, Berger McDonald. And this is part of it. Uh, we've noticed that brewers want to dry hop uh, with higher and higher doses, uh, push the envelope in terms of uh, what's possible uh, for hoppy flavor and aroma. Uh, but yield loss and, and the bottom line is important as well, right? Uh, so at the end of the day, we want brewers to have the flavor they want, but have uh, as much liquid out of the fermenter as they possibly can as well. Alejandro, can you just tell me what your role is um, as Brewing Solutions Specialist? I am Alejandro Cortez, and I am a Brewing Solutions Specialist for UNI Has. And really, uh, where my position sits is uh, in between R&D and sales. So we're kind of the technical arm for reaching out to brewers and answering all their questions. Uh, but I like to answer those questions from knowing the products brewing with them. So I'm lucky enough to have a 20 gallon system where I run, uh, I mean, more than uh, 200 beers a year in average, uh, brewing with single hops, but also with new products, incognito varieties, uh, Lupamax varieties, and all of those products that I can't even mention at this point. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I guess uh, my role with Lupamax, uh, not only providing beer for the sensory panel and, and checking uh, for true type uh, on those beers, but also uh, preparing collaboration beers uh, with brewers. So we have a couple of uh, case studies out there uh, actually brewing with Lupamax at, at customers' breweries and seeing what happens when you have the same recipe, but you only change T90 for Lupamax and so on. Uh, so yeah, that's part of my role. And, and Jeff, I'm Jeff Daly. I I manage the sensory program here at John I. Haas, and it's got multiple prongs to that job. The primary one is our sensory panel, our trained sensory panel, and training it. Um, Alejandro, he's not just the brewer; he's not just you know intersection with sales. He's also one of my best panelists, most consistent. He's also on my intake team, so that's one of the other projects I take. I refine out some of our best panelists and invite them to help me. Uh, evaluate every single lot during intake. So it's managing those individuals, doing some specialized training uh, and collecting and collating all those results on sensory from harvest. Those things work hand in hand. Uh, the third aspect is our breeding program, the hop, uh, hop breeding company, HBC, the joint venture with uh, Yakima Chief. Uh, I train my panel up 
so that when uh, Michael Ferguson, our breeder, has 100 or so experimental crosses he wants to evaluate through all Alejandro's beers, we have a panel that's ready after eight weeks of rigorous testing and training to go ahead and evaluate those and give us an indication on what breeds we want to pursue or what breeds we want to expand out for acreage or what breeds we want to hold on to but just use as breeding stock because uh, the type of sensory that we do goes hand in hand with some of the genetic and historical information that he's working on so we can eventually crack the code of flavor and have more predictable crosses between different uh, parent varieties. As hops have become high dose, you know, brewers have pushed the boundaries with their, their hopping regimes. Have the traditional hop products been found wanting in, in, in some elements in beers that have that higher dosing? Yeah, I mean, other than uh, gel losses, for example, if you want to dry hop at five uh, plus pounds per barrel, uh, we've noticed or identified that one kilogram of T90 pellets, uh, the regular pellets, uh, can absorb up to 10 liters of beer. So it, it can even be a little more than that. So that one to 10-ish uh, ratio can be significantly significantly diminished uh, or reduced uh, with a concentrated pellet. But there are some other flavor attributes that when you concentrate the loop fraction uh, of a particular hop variety, you're delivering more of uh, the oils uh, and the flavor in general as compared to the leaf uh, cone material that might bring some grassy uh, notes, some hopborn even. Have some comments on that, Jeff? When it comes to the negative flavor characteristics that Alejandro is talking about, there are things that we don't talk, that we don't uh, focus on enough, and that's other elements that come from that green matter that's in a normal T90. And so the polyphenols in there, um, they're both the green material is carriers of the enzymes that can result in hop creep. The polyphenols themselves, depending on their character uh, and how they're used, can more easily bind with proteins, either in a good way, uh, producing the haze of New England IPAs, or in bad ways, binding up with the yeast cell walls, producing a really terrible bitterness and astringency. So by concentrating down into the Luke Max type pellet, uh, we're both reducing those polyphenols, we're reducing the yield loss, and we're reducing the potential for those off characteristics that come from the green matter and not just that grassy flavor or aroma. On top of that, you know, what, what we do with Luke Max and the flavor dimension is a lot different compared to some other concentrated pellets out there. You know, how the how the lots are selected for Luke Max compared to others, you know, concentrating a pellet, a lot of times it's been, say, Citra, target alpha about 12%. Oh, well, we have a lot that's 8%, so let's concentrate it to the bleeding edge possible to get you know, 12, 15, 18% alpha, and therefore we get our money's worth from the alpha that's in there. But that's still thinking in a commodity mindset when it comes to alpha being the biggest dimension of what a hop is, and that's just, frankly speaking, not the truth. Flavor. Flavor is the number one thing. So when we go for selecting lots for Lupamax, we have a target end goal of the flavor. Uh, the alpha, the oil content, the HSI, these, these play into it, but our end goal is trying to balance those technical qualifications compared to how we know the flavor is in the raw hops and how it should develop based on the percent concentration that happens to get to our end consistent alpha. And so that's, that's our philosophy there where we are trying to get the maximum flavor with the minimum loss being important, but kind of almost secondary to making sure that the concentrate pellet gives that consistent higher impact flavor relative to the T90 traditional product. 
how do you assess when when you're looking at bail lots um, that are prospects for Lupomax pellets? How do you assess those that have the right merits? You're, you're saying that yes, it's an eight percent citra. We could take it to twelve percent, the target, but. Um, how do you then assess things like, apart from the data, how do you assess things like true to type? And um, the second question, so that's a, an, an input question, how do you assess those lots? How do you select those lots that are going to make the cut? And the second question, what sort of processes do you go through to verify the selection and the pellet run um, makes the cut and that this is consistent and true to type? In terms of how we assess lots, the team that does the sensory plus that does the selection for Loopmax is a subset of the same team that evaluates every single lot during harvest, during intake. So we have a team of you know, six to 10 people that cycle through and evaluate all 1,100, 1,200 lots that come in over the course of you know, the six weeks of harvest. During that time, uh, the individuals on this team, we assess every lot and uh, at a consensus level, come up with sensory descriptors for the individual lots, rating true to typeness based on our overall target for our customers, what we'd like them to get, though there's varying interest in terms of types of citra that people want, so we keep that in mind. Um, and during that process, we are thinking about what Lupamax was last year, and we flag lots that we think will, based on a relative concentration, will conform towards that same sort of sensory characteristics. Obviously, there's always going to be year-to-year -year variation. This is an agricultural product. We do our best, but that's the direction that we go. We flag. We don't take anything. All lots go out to customers for selection. If we're lucky enough, you know, we get enough left over of the stuff we had flagged beforehand uh, to fill in our loop max. When we aren't at that level, in terms of total volume, we go back and reassess everything else that's still available, and we do sensory evaluation again and again to verify our previous uh, descriptions, see if there's been any change based on bale bale variation, and we try and come up with a new blend that will get us as close as possible to our target volume, uh, that will also get us as close as possible to that target flavor. Uh, but the target flavor is the main thing. If I don't think that we can hit half a million pounds of whatever variety, we can only get 400, and we're only going to get to 400 uh, because we don't want to compromise the product. That's an important part from the sensory perspective, uh, complemented with having targets, uh, basically a minimum for alpha, so that the enrichment is consistent, right? Because uh, what Jeff mentioned before, uh, if you start with a very low alpha, then if you want to get, uh, let's say, to 80% uh, as, as the target, uh, the concentration factor will be very different uh, if you start with 9% and 12%. So we also want to be consistent in terms of uh, green matter versus lupulin ratio, uh, because that certainly it, that is where you see the impact in terms of, of yield dust. Another, another important uh, piece of the puzzle is manufacturing. So Lupomax has started with newly installed capabilities uh, for the enrichment process. Uh, John has, and each Lupomax variety has uh, a specific sort of recipe uh, talking about, you know, screen sizes and dyes and things that Bryce Hyatt, uh, our pellet master, uh, knows from decades of uh, industry experience. And, another, and and what I really like about it, or one of the things I really love about Lupomax is that it's processed uh, as early as possible in the season 
and it's all processed in the same production run. So all Citra Lupomax uh, that exists in the world is produced uh, in as few production runs as necessary to, to complete the whole lot. So it doesn't matter if you are a, a huge brewery or a, a, a top 50 brewery, or if you're an up-and-coming group up, uh, you get the same Lupomax. And, and I think that's pretty neat because um, at the end, that gives you some certainty that you're going to have a true to type and, and, and the flavor outcome that you're expecting from certain varieties. That's excellent. So just to um, focus on the slight differences between varieties and, and how that impacts on process, you're saying that you've got, you've got in the data, you've got some guide rails um, and a target in enrichment or concentration through the Lupo Max pellet run. So um, let's say like, you know, Citra, you have a band of enrichment that you're going to target, which flows back into those target alphas and lots must be selected. If they can't be 8%, if you're looking for 18%, because that would mean an enrichment that was too aggressive. So you, we, we already established, we've got a target enrichment um, concentration through the process which is different by variety, slightly different maybe. They have guide rails or, or some bands which are, which are the target. And that flows back into the lot selection and, and revision of the data that's available on those lots. So you're immediately screening out potentially even high alphas, uh, but certainly low alphas um, so that you get this narrow band of input material into a target enrichment. And that means the pellets coming out the other side have a predictable outcome. Correct. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, OJ, what does that mean for Australian brewers? You know, what, what, what's the benefit to Australian brewers? Well, this, is, this is, um, dovetails into the, the proof of concept and, and the proof of, of success uh, through sensory after the pellet run. So there, and we'll come back and, and, um, and let Jeff and Alejandro talk about how the finished product is verified to have been successful, uh, you know, hit the target um, and leads to, leads to predictable outcomes in beer. The benefit for the Aussie brewer is you know, exactly like Alejandro said, you could be an up and coming brew pub and not necessarily have, um, have quantities um, that you're gonna buy that warrant selection on your own right. So you don't get to select material that, that uh, or of course you're in Australia and you don't get to go to Yakima to select. You have to rely in the Australian context, you have to rely on us at HPA to establish process and supply chain that leads to HPA presenting great material to the Aussie brewing audience. So, and this is a way, the Lupomax is a way to um, ensure that we are really close to hitting the target as much as possible. We do other selection processes for T90 pellets across imported US material. And, and that selection process that, that Jeff and Alejandro are involved in um, helps us lift the standard of classic T90 pellet forms. But the Lupomax process and the, and the real value and the benefit of Sensory Plus for Aussie brewers um, is that extra, um, that extra attention to the details, a clear, a clear target enrichment um, with those flow on benefits through beer loss, um, controlled addition of uh, phenolics and other green material into the beer. So the product benefits are the, the pointy end, but definitely the process and procedures create a high probability of great hot material getting into the hands of Aussie brewers to make great beer. So maybe maybe the maybe the wrap up in this stream of, of conversation is to describe what post pelleting 
verification looks like? What what is what is the uh, final box that gets ticked before this product goes to market? I mean, the number one thing is brewing with it. Um, you know, we we can do sensory on pellets all day long, uh, but a pellet isn't always indicative and almost rarely so is indicative of the final quality of the beer. So Alejandro uh, does all the initial brewing um, as a comparison against uh, relative T90s, but we also have Virgil uh, McDonald, his 2.5 hectoliter uh, brew system. Everything goes through there first before we do a final commercialization because we wanna make sure that no matter the scale of the brewing process, uh, it should perform equally well across that range. Yeah, correct. So we're comparing it versus T90. And really, we started our, let's say our go-to recommendation or, or our starting point is 70% as much T90. So that's uh, how we design our trials as well. And normally, two pounds per barrel, dry hopping. And then we compare uh, with Max at 70% as much. And starting this year, we're going to do comparisons as well, uh, crop year to crop year. So this is the, the third year of Lupamax, and now we're going to compare uh, crop year 2020 with crop year 2021. And so, I mean, we're really doing all we can uh, to make sure this product is consistent and, and, the, and then the outcome is... is um, the one that we desire for for Lupamax. Yeah, that's um, that's the thing that you really hit on. That's important to us and our audience is it, it's in beer. Like we're not just hop people dealing in raw hop descriptors. We actually understand that what, where the rubber meets the road is in the beer for the brewer, and that's the that's the driver here to try and deliver these benefits of consistency and lower vegetative material and maximum beer recovery and performance in beer. So I think that's a really important thing. Jeff, I just wanted to take that uh, one step further. And in terms of um, a comparison between Citra T90 and Citra Lupos, would you present one of Alejandro's uh, beer runs or, or Virgil's and do simple, say, triangle testing, uh, you know, pick the difference and see if you could get a statistically significant detection of difference? How do you, how do you verify uh, good, bad, same, different? So this actually runs into uh, something I was going to say, um, just as a clarifying point for what Alejandro was talking about. This is the first year where we're doing contemporaneous uh, brewing trials for comparison, uh, where we're going to brew right next to each other, the crop year 20 to 21. We have compared the previous crop years against each other based on historic data that's collected through our trained sensory panel. And that's how we, we've done the comparisons before in terms of, you know, we have a highly trained panel of 30 individuals trained in quantitative descriptive analysis. So we've gone through discrimination training across our entire lexicon. I've validated that they know how to use uh, intensity scaling appropriately across those. Uh, and then from there, I've been able, because we have a good panel that is consistent, that we have a lot of veterans who've been here year over year. We've got these same people evaluating these beers year over year. I can com I have a high degree of certainty that I can compare those data sets against each other. Uh, both for overall flavor profile, looking at um, even qualitatively coding out, um, you know, we have comment boxes for additional comments relative to the intensities. I can look at how people using different language are describing these beers, and I, we can get a picture on how closely these relate to each other. This year, you raise a great question, Owen, about doing baseline discrimination testing, which is more standard uh, for ingredient swap outs. And so that's something we're going to pursue 
we're going to look at our historic data comparing the crop year 20 in this year's brew compared to last year's brew uh, to see if there's been any change over the storage, if there's been any variation in how my panel's performing. But then we can also look at a baseline discrimination between those br uh, brews that are being done at the same time. So we actually have a good degree of certainty that uh, they're going to be the same you know, gravity, the same fermentation, yeah. the same yeah. yeasts, every other condition. Same, same beer basics, same oxidation, yeah. same, uh, you know, water chemistry, etc. Exactly. That's fantastic. I mean, I love that description of um, the horsepower in the in the sensory panel that you guys have put considerable work into developing um, because those things don't happen overnight. I, I find that really daunting a task that you've just described to build up that sensory panel with uh, quantitative capabilities, you know, benchmarked, um, that is just, uh, uh, that is an immense amount of work. Well done. So we're about to start training again, so you can still send, <laughs> send some Aussies down to Yakima. Uh, mate, I think I'll do you a favor and send some beers. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, um, your harvest ends May-ish. I can always come down to Australia. Help us, uh, help us drink some beers or do some sensory. We'll do some sensory. Well, the difference between drinking and sensory is just thinking. As long as you're thinking. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's excellent. I love that. I need to go on a t-shirt. Uh, so that's excellent. So um, really comprehensive approach to some of the things that brewers ask us questions about. Can I swap this for that? How much should I... You know, let's say I'm dosing 100 units of T90. How much should I start my uh, Lupo Max trials at? We've sort of touched on a bunch of that stuff. But OJ, just just on that point, does this give more precision? Because these are a more precise tool in the brewer's toolbox to actually get a defined result because of the way that these are made. They increase the and then please jump in if this answer is not right. They increase the probability of a predictable result. Now, a, a, the problem that a brewer is trying to solve might not even be sensory. It might be that his brewery is running at 100% and he needs capacity. He needs, he needs more uh, finished beer. And so one of our techniques here is either the, the extract-based, um, you know, uh, advanced products like Incognito for the Whirlpool. Again, taking out vegetative material, trying to increase that amount of uh, word stream captured in the fermenter. Um, if we're looking into, into say, minimising losses in through dry hop process and, and, and the, the hop soup that accumulates in the bottom of the fermenter, um, you know, putting less hop material in will help your beer recovery. It's not even a sensory question. That's economics. That's where Alejandro said the bottom line is still pretty important here. So um, we're increasing the probability of success from a sensory point of view. We're also addressing other people's motivations, such as beer recovery. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it, Owen. I don't. I don't need to add anything else. I, I've read. I've read the literature. <laughs> <laughs> got to be, got to be back. In your own words, um, Alejandro, let's let's just run through those product benefits again. Yeah, give us that like, give us that punchline pitch. You're walking into New Belgium to pitch Lupo, Adam. All right, so. Lupomax is our highly consistent concentrated lupulin pellet. Uh, we tackle the consistency aspect uh, by controlling our inputs first and foremost through sensory and then hitting uh, targets um, for alpha and oils in the input material. We enrich the lupulin fraction through an standardized process. And finally, uh, we verify 
the quality of our Lupumax pellets for true type uh, with comprehensive brewing trials. Uh, so the benefits to Lupumax is that you are packing more flavor per kilo or per pound. And basically that allows the brewer to use less hot matter, less uh, vegetation for as, as the same or similar flavor outcome, right? So more liquid at the end of the day, uh, but you can also use it for pushing uh, the envelope and trying to create uh, the most flavorsome IPAs. You're now the uh, Lupo poster boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We, we need we need to make Jeff the poster boy for that because it's all about the sensory, honestly. It's, it's a really like, and, and why I was um, keen to have both of you there is like, it is all about sensory, but um, you know, the brewing audience empathizes and gels with the brewer who tells me he's verified it through his own brewing, you know, so I've got this, you know, sensory panels uh, leave some people feeling a little cold and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, they can be, they're not very romantic, let's face it, but the brewers, talking to brewers, you know, gets that traction. So we've got this lovely opportunity to have um, local representation, sensory, proven sensory horsepower and expertise and, uh, you know, the legitimate brewing, you know, verification as part of the process. I think it's a good pitch. Over the trajectory of the, the, the craft beer movement, have we become much more aware of the importance of sensory in the final beer? You know, craft beer used to be about being as experimental as you can, but has mm-hmm. the industry matured to make sensory much more important now? Uh, yeah, I absolutely think so. I, I think the perception of what sensory is and what it can be has absolutely changed. Um, sensory in a lot of ways has, has been industrial focused uh, in the brewing industry where it's simply about true to brand, making sure you're hitting that relative target of, you know, is your lager the same as it was, you know, what you brewed yesterday? I, I think as people have come to understand what sensory science is, rather than, you know, a person with a golden nose, which it absolutely is not about that. Uh, I, I think I'm fairly decent. Um, but what the really important thing is with sensory science, it's having those, you know, four, eight, 10, 12, 30 individuals to get a cross section of what um, the beer might present as to individuals and seeing how tightly that sensory profile conforms to either what we want it to be as true to brand or what it could be when we're looking at innovation and recipe development. So I think a lot of programs, um, you know, even starting before I graduated from college, uh, great sensory professionals like Lindsay Barr and uh, all the brewers at New Belgium, Sierra Nevada, wherever, they have pushed the forefront on an understanding of true sensory science in the industry. And thankfully, I'm just coming in on their coattails and trying to figure out new ways to use it for things like Lubomax. You can download a full transcript of this conversation with links to other information in the show notes to this episode. Brewery Pro content is presented by Brews News and is designed for the brewing industry professional. If you have any suggestions for topics that we can cover, email us at cheers at brewsnews.com.au. Thank you for listening.